Well, it is good to be together, and uh, numerous times throughout Scripture, uh, the church, the body of Christ, is, is referred to as the family of God. And I think there's a reason that, that they, the writers chose the word family, because when you think about a family, what you do with your family, your immediate family, your extended family, uh, you work together, you serve together, you eat together, you play together, uh, you worship together, you pray together, and... That's us. As you look around this room, that's us. And praise God for that. And, and all of that happening this morning. Um, so cool to walk in and see uh, meals being packaged for Haiti and to w- walk in here and see the worship band rehearsing and to be walking through and seeing people praying for each other just off the cuff. Who knew you could pray in a cafeteria in an elementary school, right? We can pray anywhere. And God has given us this tremendous blessing of this family that we call City Branch. And so I'm just so thankful uh, this morning. Um, I know that I say this all the time, but we just, we love you. We really do. And yeah, we really do. Yeah. And uh, so thank you for being the body of Christ. And uh, just go ahead and as you've done this morning, pull up a chair and uh, welcome to our living room here. And uh, let that be your little couch uh, there this morning with those people that you're around. And uh, yeah, we're just excited to be together and to worship. And so um, I just want to encourage you today, um, if you've been coming for a while and you're just kind of feeling it out and you're, you're kind of wondering, what, what is City Branch all about? Um, as you look around you, uh, this is what we're about. And uh, just people being real, coming as they are, um, usually some, some boxes. It's kind of messy sometimes, uh, and that's okay because life is messy, and that's what City Branch uh, is all about, just being uh, real people before the real God. And so I just want to thank you for your, your authenticity and your realness. And I uh, just want to encourage you that maybe, maybe today's that day to get connected. I don't know. I'm just, I was thinking about that, and I feel like God just really wants to say, it's, it's time to go deeper. It's time to go deeper. Maybe, maybe today is that day where you've just been kind of sitting on the sidelines a little bit. And as we've been going through this Lenten series, uh, God's just been tugging at your heart a little bit and you haven't quite know, known how to respond to that. Um, I think today's the day. And I think we're going to talk about some things today that maybe are going to get under your skin a little bit uh, in a good way. I want them to. And, uh, and so maybe today's the day uh, to get connected and to seek someone out and to find somebody for prayer afterwards, to get connected with a small group, to, to come back this afternoon and package some meals and, and get outside of yourself a little bit. I know for me, it's, it's been difficult. These winter blues are setting in and you, we kind of get cooped up in our own houses and we, we eat too much and we just get really sleepy and lazy all the time. And it's time to get out a little bit. It's time to get out. I have good news for you. The word Lent, remember we're in Lent right now. We're moving towards Easter. The word Lent literally means springtime. So praise God that it's on its way. Even if it doesn't feel like it today, Lent means springtime. And so it's on its way. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. And so as we've been uh, moving through this Lenten series uh, together, we know it's called Extreme Makeover, uh, where we're learning about spiritual disciplines. We started last week talking about what spiritual disciplines are, that it's more so about training rather than just trying harder, that God really wants to change us from the inside out. It's not just about becoming a better person. It's not about just coming here on Sundays and and, and putting in our time and, and going through the motions. God really wants us to be different kind of people on Easter than we are now. And I really believe that. God really wants to do a work in our hearts. He wants to change us. 
as people. And, and uh, part of why we're doing these little random chair pods is because we're in this year called Life Together. And we really believe that transformation takes place best in community. It's really hard to see outside of yourself when you don't, are not asking anybody else the tough questions. What do you see when you look at my life? And, and so essentially what we're doing here this morning is modeling what we want to be like as a community. That it wouldn't be strange for us to sit in little circles of five or six chairs because that's what we're already doing during the week. Right? What we're doing here on Sundays is just an expression of what you're already doing. As I know that many of you are, are involved in small groups uh, and things like that. So our desire is that you really feel connected here and, and that maybe today is that day where you, where you take a step deeper. And, and we really want to take that, that call to discipleship that Jesus offers uh, very seriously. And I just want to say, it's for you today. All these things we've been talking about, this isn't just Christianese, <laughs> as we like to call it. This is the real deal. And it's for you. And so as we go through these spiritual disciplines, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to let it soak in. Be a sponge and don't let uh, this time of Lent uh, pass you by. Because honestly, I think that some of us are going to miss it. I think some of us are going to miss it. And and I want to caution us this morning to not speed through life so fast that you miss it. Not just these 40 days, but to, to not be so busy and, and swept up in our own lives and our own little worlds that we don't have time to slow down and hear what God wants to teach us. And so today we're going to be talking about developing a prayerful life, not just a prayerful Sunday morning, a prayerful life. But I'm almost hesitant to do that. I almost didn't want to talk about prayer today because I feel like there's lots of other things that we need to talk about first. And if you're anything like me, there's a deeper issue that gets in the way for a lot of us and we start talking about prayer and everything that you need to do to have a better prayer life. And if you're anything like me, it's the fact that all of us have got ourselves in an awful big hurry. We have, we have got ourselves in a big hurry. And um, I was thinking about this this past week. And once again, what comes to my mind is this fever I got. Do you have the fever? The Olympic fever? I've got it. I've got it. And so I told you last week that my wife and I, I told her this week that I told you that we're going to take up um, pairs um, dancing, ice dancing. So we'll get on that. Um, but now my new Olympic fever this week is, is skiing. Okay. So I've been watching the downhill skiing and everything like that. And so we're watching the late show, but I tell you what, you know what I saw more than anything else? I, I, maybe it was just the, the parts of the Olympics that I watched this week. What I saw more than anything else was crashing skiers. Did you see them this week? It's like more often than not, or snowboarders or skiers, more often than not, they're crashing rather than getting down the hills. And maybe they're just getting really icy and the hills are getting very difficult. But you've got these world-class skiers, right, that have trained their whole life for this, right? Four years for two minutes, running down the, 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 uh, the hills there. And they start off really well and they're going down, but then they just end up taking turns crashing and, and running, uh, catching their skis on the poles and, and running into the barriers and everything like that. And, and, they, and they go faster and faster and faster until they crash. And sometimes I wonder if we're no different. Are, are we living our lives like crashing skiers? <laughs> that are out of control and at the risk of sounding cheesy or or trite, I'm watching this and I go, I don't want to live my life like that. 
That's not the way that I want to live my life. If I'm going to live a prayerful life, if I'm going to live a life that's in the presence of God, I can't be going as fast as I am. I don't have a rhythm to my life. We've got ourselves wrapped up in such a frantic pace in our lives. And we're moving through our days unable to slow down because I think, honestly, we don't know how. We don't know how to slow down. We don't know any other identity that we can live in instead of being busy. And if I'm busy, I don't have to look inside. If I'm busy, I don't have to slow down and look at what God really wants to do inside me. And at some point, we're going to crash. And maybe you already have. And maybe that's happened multiple times for you, but you keep going back to it because you don't know how to stop. Just like we're going to go back up to the top of the mountain and we're going to go down and we're going to crash again because we don't know how to find the rhythm and move through life at a pace that God would have us move through. And so I think that God has some things to teach us this morning about slowing down and finding uh, some space in our lives, finding a pace and finding space in our lives to even develop a prayer life. Something as beautiful and as powerful as prayer, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it if we keep moving at the speed that we are. Learning to listen to that still, small voice of God. And so I was thinking about the message today, and, and uh, it's, it's entitled Developing a Prayerful Life, but I think some of the things that God's been teaching me personally lately, I, I, I'd rather re, uh, rename it and call it Slow Down and Receive. Slow down and receive. Say that with me. Slow down and receive. And you might have to say that to yourself about a hundred times throughout the day, <laughs> if you're like me, to get that. Because honestly, uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is, is coming out of a lot of things that I feel like God has uh, been teaching me the past several weeks. I've been asking God, what do you want to do with my life this year? What do you want to do specifically during Lent? And, and a lot of it is about this whole idea of slowing down, being more purposeful, with my life, moving from maintaining to purpose. You know what I'm talking about? Slowing down and having intentionality uh, in my life and, and just receiving from God. God has this incredible life that he wants to give us, like we talked about last week. And um, I think that God wants to get our attention about rest, his command to rest. I think that God wants to get our attention about setting limitations in our life. Do you have boundaries in your life, do you know how to say no? Sometimes, how often does no come out of your mouth? Probably if you're a parent, more often than others. But um, finding a healthy rhythm to life. And, and I don't think I'm alone in this. Um, uh, talking uh, to people the last several weeks, I would say that I've, in the conversations I've had with people that are kind of describing their current circumstances in life, um, about 90% of the conversations I've had I think in the last month or so, last few weeks, 90% of the conversations, when people describe their current circumstances, it's usually using one or more of these words. Stressed, busy, tired, overwhelmed. Am I the only one here? Anybody else with me? Anyone want to admit it? Let's be honest, okay? I know you are because I've talked to some of you, uh, so don't lie. Um, And it's been that way for me. Uh, as well. And um, some of you have been reading the book, um, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. Uh, We're all ordinary people and we need spiritual disciplines. Um, Some of you have been going through that uh, in your small group. And uh, I definitely recommend that at some point. And the author tells this story that I think is very applicable to where we're moving today. 
Uh, John Orberg is this world-famous pastor, and he gets this job at a huge megachurch, and he is going, 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 going busy. He is just busy serving God. I'm out there, I'm doing all these things for God, and a while into it, he starts to think, man, I need a better pace in my life. I, I, gotta, I gotta slow down. And, and so he calls up uh, a spiritual mentor of his, and he's got his notepad out, and he's ready to take down this huge laundry list of all these things he needs to do to be a better Christian, and, and all these spiritual disciplines. And so he, he calls him up, and he's ready, and he's on the conference call, and he says, okay, what do I need to do to improve my spiritual life? What would you suggest? And his, his wise uh, mentor friend um, said this after a long pause. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Okay, <laughs> good one. All right, what's next? No, that's it. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. <laughs> Silence. Uh, okay. Not a bunch of new tips and techniques. Not the latest and greatest book on spiritual disciplines to hit the shelves. Not a new Bible study method. Slow down and receive. Slow down and receive. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, guilty. That's me. And maybe for some of us, the pace of your life continues to be the number one hindrance to your spiritual growth. The pace of your life continues to be the number one hindrance. And so the reason I bring this up on a Sunday that we're talking about prayer, you're probably like, John, come on, give us the latest and greatest prayer techniques. Give me some books to read on prayer. I need to improve my prayer life. It's not going to take any effect until you have time to listen to the voice of God. We've got to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And so the reason I bring this up is because I don't want to talk to you so much about the theology of prayer or, or, or scold you or shame you for being people that don't pray enough. That would be ridiculous. But to explore this, excuse me, to explore this idea that prayer is really all about creating space in our lives to having ongoing conversational relationship with God conversational relationship with God. Jesus has a, has a different way of life that he wants to show us than the frantic pace that a lot of us live. And so I want to explore that with you today. So um, go ahead and open your Bibles if you got those. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 3. Um, and if you don't have one, just feel free to look on with somebody else. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's ones underneath the seats and feel free to take those home uh, with you if you need one. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And so this is not a normal scripture on prayer, but there's a reason I want to start here. The question on the table today is, what kind of a relationship does God want to have with us? And from the beginning, literally, in the beginning, as Genesis says, from the beginning, literally, we get a glimpse. And so as you're looking that up, we, we, know, we know the familiar story here, right? Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates the heavens and earth. He creates a man. And now we get into Genesis chapter 3. And so Adam and Eve eat from the tree that God says, do not eat from this tree. And so God comes looking for them. The God of the universe comes looking for them in the garden. And so we see this in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God from among the trees of the garden. 
Usually we read the story and we're talking about sin. I don't want to talk about sin today. I want to talk about walking. And the Lord God was walking in the garden. So aside from the tragedy that's about to take place, or already did take place, did you catch what God is doing? What is God doing? Walking in the garden with them, personally, intimately. The God of the universe, the God who created everything, is going to find them. He's pursuing them. He's going after them. He's calling out to them, talking with them. And so if we read this, I have to believe that this was normal. We don't get everything. We don't get the entire story in Genesis. We have to believe that this was normal. That Adam and Eve walked with God on an everyday basis, even before this happens. We get the idea that you and I, from the get-go, were created for a conversational intimacy with God. To know God just as you would know somebody that you walked in the garden with. That you call up on the phone and you know it's their voice because you've heard it and you've talked to them so many times. And so, in fact, the Bible is filled with stories, and we don't have time to look all these up, but it's filled with stories of God talking with his people. Not just people shooting up these prayers to God, hoping that he hears them. God is talking with us. God speaks to Moses as a man spoke with his friend, it says in Exodus. God spoke to Samuel. God and and David have ongoing conversations. Should I go up the hill? Should I not? Yes, you should. Wait. God and David are having this ongoing conversation. And the Lord spoke to Noah. And the Lord spoke to Gideon. And the Lord spoke to Abraham. Again and again, it's a two-way conversation. One of my favorites is this. If you've got your Bibles open to Genesis, just flip to Genesis chapter 5 really quick. This is really fun. One of my favorite dudes in the Bible, Enoch you're looking for a great baby name, there's another one for you. Enoch, uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Really, really tiny short story. This guy was an awesome dude and he gets like four verses uh, to explain his entire life. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Another good name. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. And again, it repeats itself. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and then he was no no more because God took him away. I love that story. I'm walking with you, God. I'm gone, right? It's just like some sci-fi movie or something. I love that verse. The Bible's very humorous. Enoch walked with God. So besides from being really, really, really old and getting the senior citizen discount like four times, Enoch walked with God. If there was four verses to summarize your life, what would be in it? I want mine to be like Enoch's. And John walked with God. And he knew God. He didn't just go through the motions of life. He didn't just play Christianity. He walked with God. He didn't run ahead of God He wasn't so busy doing things for God. He walked with God. When you walk with someone, you're right beside them. Intimacy. And so you might say, okay, John, that's great. All those stories from the Old Testament, that's wonderful. But that's not how it really happened. Most of those stories are just kind of allegorical. That's not really how it happened. Well, how about Jesus, right? If we point to him as our role model, our number one perfect example for having a relationship with the Father, Let's look at Jesus. So if he's our perfect example, what does that look like? 
Uh, you don't have to look this up, but Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Right away in Jesus' ministry. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If Jesus, who is God, needs to talk to the Father, and if the Father talks to him, don't you think that we can have that sort of relationship as well? Again, in the Gospels, Jesus says, I only do what I hear the Father saying. If Jesus is only doing what he hears the Father saying, he's obviously hearing something because he did a whole heck of a lot. (laughs) He's got to hear God's voice. Again, in John chapter 17, Jesus looks to the heavens and talks to his Father. Jesus is the ultimate example of the fact that we were built, we were created to know and talk with God. Not just know about him like you know about Abraham Lincoln. To know God and talk with him. And if we take an honest look at the Bible, we'll see it as it's a much more of a book of examples of having a conversational relationship with God than a book of exceptions, right? We read the Bible, that's how it used to be. Not anymore. We don't hear from God anymore. That's not how it is. It's a book of examples of relationship with God, not exceptions. I came across this quote this week and I liked it. It says this. Why is it that when we speak to God, it's said that we're praying, but when God speaks to us, we're called schizophrenic? We're called crazy. Why is that? Maybe it's because we just don't know what that's like. We haven't gone to those depths. Why should God's end of the earpiece be equipped with only a receiver, but not a mouthpiece? Right? So the funny thing is, I was thinking about this, in all our relationships, when we're trying to get to know someone, right? This is kind of the heartbeat of prayer. If it's a conversation rather than a one-way kind of upload up into the sky, in all our relationships, if you're dating someone today, if you're married to someone today, if you have a really, really close friend, how did you get to know them? Was it, was it uh, text once in a while? That's it? Boy, I bet you look really pretty. I bet you look nice. It was fun hanging out with you tonight. I'll talk to you in another month, right? You're spending intentional time with each other. It's a conversation. You're opening up. You're being vulnerable with each other. You're sharing your hearts together, offering yourselves to one another. So why would it be any different in our relationship with God? If we have a God that walked in the garden with us, if we have a God that walked the dusty roads of Galilee and Nazareth, then why don't we have that kind of a relationship now. So, now's when I'm going to turn it over to you. Enough of me teaching. In your small groups, there's no pressure to share, but I want you to kind of turn, the people on the end, just kind of turn your chairs in, and underneath one of those chairs is a little sheet of paper that looks a little something like this, and that has your first discussion question for your small group. And what I want you to talk about is, what has been your experience with prayer? Is it a one-way upload, or is it a two-way conversation. When you're done having that, look up. There's some verses there to look up. John chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, and 14 through 16. So hopefully somebody in your group has a Bible. Get that cracked open. In a few minutes, we'll check back up here together. So hopefully you had a chance to take an honest look at what some of your uh, perceptions are of prayer. And as we've looked at this morning, that maybe they need to be tweaked a little bit, that maybe prayer is something much deeper and bigger than you ever thought 
that it was. And I just want you to know that no matter where you're at, that's okay. We're not professionals here, obviously. Uh, We really desire for you to just jump on board with this. And prayer is not something for all-stars. Uh, prayer is something that we try and we kind of mess up and we kind of fumble our way through it and we just kind of figure it out. Prayer is one of those things that you learn by doing. <laughs> like a lot of other things in life, you learn through experience. And obviously, I hope that you were encouraged by Jesus' uh, words in the Gospel of John here that I am the good shepherd and that as my sheep, this is normal for you as followers. Hearing God's voice. Being in a conversational intimacy with God is normal for us as followers of Christ. Jesus says it right there. My sheep know me. They know my voice, and so they follow me. This is normal for us. And I want us to start thinking about prayer not so much as one more thing i got to fit into my schedule. i got to squeeze in those 10 minutes. I want you to start thinking about prayer as like the flour. You're making bread, and you're just kneading it into that bread, and you're working it into every aspect of your life. Where pretty soon, as you've been making that dough, you can't tell where one starts and the other begins. It's just a part of that. It's like mixing chocolate milk. And you put in that that chocolate syrup and you just mix it in there and you can't separate the milk from the chocolate. You can't separate your prayer life from your normal life. It's a part of who you are. And I believe that that's what Paul's getting at when he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Now, I don't think that Paul would say pray continually unless it was possible to pray continually. (laughs) Maybe not in the way we think. We're not walking around and talking to yourself all day. Then people might call you schizophrenic. But uh, I think Paul's after something different here, and it's this idea of walking with God, being in a conversational relationship with God. And I think so often we get this idea that when we're praying and we say amen at the end of the prayer, that's like hanging up the phone. (laughs) Like, okay, and then God's done, and we're done, and then we'll pick it up later. Amen actually means let it, let it be, let it be so, right? Amen. Let it be so, let it be true, right? But what if we thought of amen, not so much of a, I'm hanging up, but as an amen, as a, I'm just going to leave it off the hook. And God, you have the full ability, you have my attention to talk to me whenever you'd like. I used to do this with my wife when we were getting to know each other because we'd like to just know that the other person was there in this long-distance relationship, but just leave it off the hook. So whenever you want to get my attention, if ever you need something, I'm, I'm right here. And I think that God wants to have that kind of relationship with us. Not, we're done, but I'll be right here. And God says the same thing to us. I'll be right there. And so I think that God wants to say to each of us, please stop looking at prayer as a task. And start seeing it as this, as this incredible gift that I want to give to you. And so my hope is that we can start asking, stop asking, um, God, how much should I pray? God, how should I pray? And we can start asking, God, how do you want to bless my life and bless others through me, through the gift of prayer? That's the real question. And so my prayer is for us as a church If I had like a a wish list, you know, for Christmas or something that I could say, if I could have a church like this, the top of that list or very, very, very top of that list would be a church where prayer is naturally supernatural. Let me say that again. 
a church where prayer is naturally supernatural. First of all, that it's normal. It's natural. It's not weird. Everyone does it. It's an all play, right? You ever played uh, Seen It, the game Seen It, where you play the movie things on the, on the screen and you watch different scenes and there's one person can play and then you roll the dice and only one person can play there. Everybody loves it when it's all play. Prayer is an all play. Everybody gets to play. It's not just for professionals. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for people that have been walking with God for 10, 15, 20, 50 years. It's an all play. Everybody gets to do it. Naturally, supernatural. We believe that prayer works. That's why we have you come up after worship and pray. Because things happen. Not because of us, but because of God's power through us. James reminds us the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Powerful. Not weak. Powerful. And so there's so much more that we could say about prayer. But um, I want to just tackle really quickly. At some point, as much as I want to teach you about prayer, I don't need to teach you about prayer. I want to point you to the one that we're after. He's the one that all of this is about anyway. So at some point, we got to start stop talking about prayer and we got to turn our heads and rest our ears to the heart of God. And so I want to end with this story uh, today that I really feel encapsulates that. There's so much more we could talk about prayer and we will and there'll be things in the coming months. Um, but I want, to, I want to end with this story, and maybe some of you are familiar with it. But um, the story is told of an elderly man that was in his final days. And he had been suffering from a life-threatening disease for many years. And so the man's daughter had asked for the local priest to come and, and pray with her father while he was in his final days. And when the priest arrived, he saw a man uh, propped up on the hospital bed with an empty chair next to it. And said, oh, I guess you were expecting me? No, said the elderly man. Who are you? (laughs) And what are you doing here? Uh, I'm the local priest. And I saw the empty chair and I thought that maybe you knew I'd be coming. Oh, not really, but okay, come on in. You're welcome to come on in. So, And they were talking for a while. And so the old man in his final days said this. You know, Pastor, I, I have never told anyone this, but... Not even my daughter, I've told this, but in all my life, I have never known how to pray. Uh, The prayers at church always seem to be over my head. Uh, I can never get it right. I I don't know what to say. I feel like a failure in that. Um... I've got about five books to read on prayer. Uh, but in the first few pages, I looked up so many words in the dictionary, I just kind of gave up because I couldn't understand it. So I've kind of given up on knowing God, I guess, as you talk about in church. Until a few years ago. And that's when my friend Joe said, prayer is just a simple matter of talking with God and listening to his heart. And so Joe told me, he said, friend, I suggest this. Sit down on a chair and face another chair towards you. And in faith, see Jesus on the other side, looking at you. And then just talk to him. Be be honest with him 
the same way that, that you would with me, as if we were having a conversation. And so he told the priest, I've been doing it for years, but I've got to be careful, though, because if my daughter catches me talking to a chair, she might think and send me off to the loony barn. So the priest was deeply moved, and so he prayed for the man before leaving. A few days later, the daughter called the priest back and said that he had passed away, that the man had died. And so she told the priest, I, I was there for a while with him, and then I left the hospital room for a while, and I went to the store, and, and, and when I came back, he was dead. But, 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 Pastor, I have to tell you, something kind of strange happened. Apparently, the nurses told me that just before he, Daddy died, he leaned over and put his he- head on this empty chair next to his bed. I really, really pray that we don't see prayer as a task, but as an honor and a privilege to have a conversation with the wisest, purest, most kind, compassionate, and loving being in the entire universe. If you had the opportunity to talk to him, Would you do it? Would you do it? And friends, we get that opportunity every moment of every single day. I pray that that is the heartbeat of our church and that before anything we do, no matter how many outreach events we do in the city, no matter how many small groups we have going on, if we are not people of prayer, then what are we doing? None of this is possible by our own effort. It's all about him. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. May you spend some time in conversation with your father this week as you rest your head on his heart. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.